And welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. And a wild card win for the Green Bay Packers this past Saturday night over the Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau Field, 24-10. to uh, The game went a little bit uh, differently than expected, but the outcome was ultimately the same. And what many Packer fans expected, a relatively easy win over the Minnesota Vikings. We'll obviously discuss that. We'll discuss the Packers' upcoming trip out to the West Coast to meet the San Francisco 49ers next Saturday night. And also we'll kick around the rest of the NFL and talk about some of the issues that emerged from Wild Card Weekend. Uh, with that, we'll bring Matt in here. And Matt, kind of a weird game that I think started uh, between the games, between the uh, first Wild Card game and the second one with the announcement that Joe Webb was going to be the starting quarterback instead of Christian Ponder. I guess, what was your reaction to that first story and then maybe your real quick reaction to what you thought of the game? Well, I think we both kind of overreacted a little bit when we heard that initially. I know I texted you as soon as I heard it, and we kind of both were a little concerned because we thought that, you know, there wasn't any way that he could probably throw the ball a lot worse than Ponder already was, um, and he's that extra threat that we hadn't prepared for and that we were kind of worried about having to worry about that on top of Adrian Peterson and maybe the read option. But, mm-hmm. you know, luckily it turned out pretty well for us as it turns out that he can't throw the ball at all or at least he had a pretty rough go of it on Saturday. Well, in our defense, real quick, NBC and Tony Dungy in particular talked up Joe Webb like he was a pro bowler in that yeah, between Tony games Dungy show. Yeah, Tony Dungy was like, yeah, he can throw, and he was super confident. That got me even more worried when I watched the pregame. But can he throw to his teammates, Tony? That's the question. Obviously, he could throw. He threw it like 40 yards over everybody's head on that one bomb. I mean, it went yeah. far. He'd have one punt, pass, and kick, probably. Yeah, apparently Leslie Fr- Leslie Frazier and uh, Tony Dungy are like best friends, though, so I think that he was, ah. was kind of more wishful thinking. But, but yeah, that ended up being pretty miserable. And even after that first drive, I was like, oh, man, this could be rough because it looked like they were going to go right down and score with the read option. Mm-hmm. They're running all over us. But then after that, it was completely stopped by our defense. So they did a really nice job picking up on it after that first series. Yeah, I agree. And it almost makes you wonder what Minnesota was thinking that they kind of went away from that and almost let Joe Webb uh, orchestrate the Christian Ponder game plan. And I, I agreed. Obviously, we had that text discussion that you mentioned. We were a little concerned about Joe Webb. I still had visions of what he did to Philadelphia two years ago right. uh, and really the only time we've ever seen him. Uh, but I think after that second drive when Eric Walden had his hands on him and he threw it way straight up in the air and then that uh, I think the following drive when it became very apparent that if he got the slightest bit of pressure he had absolutely no clue what to do with the football or even where to run as athletically or as athletic as he is uh, after that I think not only the Vikings but the Packers the fans uh, even the announcers in some cases it felt like it didn't take long for them to realize that uh, this wasn't going to be much of a game no, you're right, and I, I kind of laughed when he threw that first one up in the air when he was taking that sack. I was like, what are you doing? No quarterback would do that. And he was just going down and threw it straight up in the air, and he did it again later in the game, too. Yeah. It, it just was like there was no field aware, awareness there at all, and I guess you can kind of expect that. Even when he was at, only at Birmingham, they tried to turn him to receiver. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, when the Vikings brought him into camp, they, they must still think he has a pretty good arm, and I think they were still fairly confident in what he could do. And I think we kind of saw that with the game plan not changing maybe a ton at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those were some of the worst passes I've seen, some of those ducks right into the ground. And you don't see that a lot from any NFL quarterback. And it was just a really, really poor performance. And mm-hmm. it made it really easy for our defense, I think, to kind of key on the, the one dimension of their offense they had left. 
Yeah, and even on that drive where they were pretty successful, where they got the field goal uh, to start the game, that third down, which ultimately stalled the drive, he had a receiver open, and Christian Ponder probably hits that pass easily to set up a first and goal. And he either, I don't remember if he just threw it wide or if he skipped it into his feet, mm-hmm. but even right there you started to feel like, okay, well, maybe he's not going to be uh, what Tony Dungy advertised. Yeah, I had a huge weight lifted off after I saw that pass, and I just kind of chuckled. It's like, oh, I hope that was an indication of the rest of the game here. Yeah. Not just like one bad pass, and it ended up being that way. So, uh, yeah, I, right from the get-go, as soon as I saw him throw the ball, I just kind of felt a whole lot better and, and figured there wasn't much of a chance that we were going to lose. Yeah, and it almost seemed like the offense played a little bit like that, uh, with that knowledge in mind. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I don't know, and I don't want to be that person, and I've determined in this podcast that I'm going to express kind of what I thought of the game, but everybody knows how I feel about uh, the prospects of this team going forward. I've said it ad nauseum since probably preseason at this point, but this offense and at times during this game seemed like they couldn't be bothered to really even try, but when they did, such as uh, a couple of drives in the second quarter, that two-minute drill right before the end of the half, and uh, even that first drive to start the second half, although it was aided by some Minnesota penalties, they looked like when they wanted to, they could move the ball at will, and then the rest of the game, they're just kind of screwing around. Um, I, I don't know if you felt that way, too. I, I I felt like the offense didn't play that well, and I know Rodgers mentioned that he he wasn't very happy with the performance. I wasn't uh, discouraged by the performance. I wish they would have done a little bit more, but I think under the circumstances, human nature takes over, and they knew that if they could get to 17, this game was going to be over. Right, and I, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm not really discouraged by it because I know they can do more, but it, it was a kind of a little disheartening to see just the lack of offense that they were they were putting out there because it would have been nice to have the, that momentum building game that I was kind of hoping for where you come out and you throw up 42 on the board right away and yeah you don't have to do anything for the rest of the game but you're right they didn't have to and I I think they all realized that and the game plan was super conservative mm-hmm. Dewan Harris had a really nice game and a lot of Rogers passes too were little dump offs I mean mm-hmm. Dewan Harris was the leading receiver on the team with yeah. five catches so it I think that they knew maybe not going into the game with what Joe Webb was going to do, but kind of as they got going, they were able to just really turn it down and kind of sit on the ball and um, do whatever they had to do just to kind of keep the clock running because once they had 14 points on the board, they knew that the game was probably over unless mm-hmm. Peterson broke a big one. Yeah, and, and this game almost was a clone for me of that win they had in the 2011 regular season against the St. Louis Rams at Lambeau where they were up... 24 to 3 at halftime and then nobody scored in the second half. It seemed like the entire team knew that this Ram offense is so bad, they can't do anything to us. And the way McCarthy called the game, the decisions Rodgers made, uh, the effort even of some of the receivers uh, indicated that they knew the game was in the bag and if they didn't turn it over 3 times, the the Rams had no chance to come back. And that game instantly sprung to mind when I saw the second half of this game, which is shocking because that was one of the more forgettable Packer games in the last five years. But, um, yeah, I, I people were kind of upset about that, and I can understand that. I agree with you. I would have loved to see them just crush the Vikings, especially what had happened the week before after that emotional game. But, I don't know, I think maybe it was better for what it is, and... I don't necessarily think that they're saving anything for for San Francisco. I don't know if they really have anything to save, but I guess it really doesn't uh, make me think less of the offense, but it it certainly um, uh, isn't that encouraging either. No, and like you said about having anything to save, it's 
that same kind of thing, like those that drive at the end of the, uh, the second quarter, kind of just makes you feel like they've got another gear. They just can use it whenever they want to. But again, it's against Minnesota, like you said. I texted you that, and you kind of stepped <laughs> me straight a little bit. It's not a very good defense. I know their secondary is pretty pretty decent. They do a pretty good job covering our receivers. But mm-hmm. um, as a whole, I mean, San Francisco is obviously a whole other animal. And if we have to play Seattle again, that's the same kind oh. of a thing. So yeah. uh, it's nice to see them be able to turn it on against Minnesota and a two-minute drill, but it, it would be nice to know that we have a little more certainty that it's going to happen on more occasions and against the decent defense. So I'm, I'm actually really curious to see how that works this week when we're going against somebody like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. If our offense, if we're in a close game and have to score, if we actually can still do that or if that's not even part of our repertoire this, this year. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I, that other gear seems like something they have less control over this year than they have Absolutely. in years past. Where it seems like it just kind of happens whether they try to or not. Obviously, you're always trying to go a high gear, but it, it's not like the 2010 team where they would just come out guns blazing, they'd bury you, and then as soon as you got close, they'd bury you again. Um, where this year it feels like they try to come out and bury you, but they just don't have it uh, at the beginning of games. And I, I expressed that last week as to why I don't think they're going to be able to to hang with the big guns on a consistent basis. They might win one or or so, but I don't think they're going to. Uh, go all the way necessarily, but um, yeah, I don't know. You see it, and it, it. I agree, and you texted me, and it's frustrating. But the the way this team has played, that even after that two minute drill, when it seemed like so effortlessly they were able to move down the field and get a touchdown, they've been so inconsistent uh, this year when they try to do that that I don't treat that as anything other than a fluke because they're a really talented team that are capable of doing it, but for whatever reason, this 2012 team has not been able to do it consistently. I still have no reason to believe that they're going to do it again next week when they uh, when they want to or, frankly, when they need to. Right, and I wouldn't mind seeing maybe a little bit more of the no-huddle offense because it seems like when we get into that, we really have no problem moving down the field and our receivers are actually getting open, which mm-hmm. has seemed to have been a big problem lately for some reason, despite how talented we are. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe if we can get in the no huddle a couple times early in the game and maybe get off to a hot start and have to try to make Kaepernick try to play from behind, I, th- I think that would be huge. So if, mm-hmm. if there's a game to turn it on early, if we have it in us, I think this is definitely the game to think about doing it and not saving anything for anybody else down the road. Yeah, um, you know, unlike Leslie Frazier with his Darren Sharper logic saying that he's saving Christian Ponder for next week, uh, I'm, I'm sure that Christian Ponder is going to play great in some community flag football event this week, so I'm glad he saved him. Um, yeah, I guess the offense really not not much of a game. I think uh, Dewan Harris played well again. Uh, Kuhn scored two touchdowns, even though I still feel he's way overemphasized in short yardage. Uh, not much creativity, I still think, in the, any of the John Kuhn packages, but it's always fun to see him score a couple of times. Uh, is there anybody that really stood out in particular to you? Well, I think, again, a guy that we talked about last week was B.J. Raji. I thought he had another really good game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see him string two good games in a row together, but, again, he's playing against the same team. So maybe <laughs> it was true. just a weakness that he was exploiting, uh, you know, the same player, maybe the center, the, the guards in there, that he was just exploiting the same players again and having another big week. But those were probably his two best games of the year, at least from what I've seen. And mm-hmm. it, hopefully it's something that can continue again because we're going to have to deal with a lot of up the middle run game this coming week, so mm-hmm. I, th- I think he was the big one for me. And like you said, obviously Dewan Harris has become a huge weapon for them mm-hmm. and somebody they can at least rely on back there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those two guys 
really stood out to me. Other than that, nobody else really had to be spectacular, so mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else really necessarily stood out to me. Yeah, and uh, bringing up B.J. Raji, I agree with that, and I guess we can transition to talk about the defense a little bit, because certainly the effort against Adrian Peterson was much improved over the previous two Minnesota Viking games. Um, I thought the first thing I noticed about the defense is that uh, Charles Woodson looks like a, that Fox Cletus robot now with all the special <laughs> gear that he has on. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. He he had a couple of uh, plays where he came up the middle, and even though Adrian Peterson started to kind of get away from him, uh, he didn't escape the pursuit. He was able to grab him by the leg and bring him down, which is something we didn't see in the other two games. Um, what did you think of the new-look Charles Woodson? It kind of made me made him feel a little bit more like the player he actually is, I think, because he usually has those tiny little receiver pads, it looks like. Yeah, he looks like he's a 40s player with, like, yeah. hardly anything on. So now he had these big shoulder pads, and I can't believe he didn't put something like that on before after he broke his collarbone the first time. Yeah. Those little pads don't do anything for you when you try to put a shoulder into somebody. Mm-hmm. And then with, I don't know what kind of extra protection for the collarbone the extra face mask bars provided, but <laughs> it, it looked pretty tough. But yeah, he looked a lot bigger, and... I, th- I think I noticed a couple times he maybe didn't look quite as quick, but I mean he's pro- he can't be quite in football shape yet. I mean mm-hmm. it's his first game back, so but I think he did a nice job filling, and I think that was huge for stopping Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, having him back on the field, and because he's great at being up on the line, and it kind of seemed like it sparked the players around him, even guys like AJ Desmond Moses when they were actually filling this time like they were last week, they were actually making the tackles, um, and there was group tackles going on there, and I, I just think everybody as a whole just. Tackled a lot better, played a lot better, got to their spots, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of have to think it had a lot to do with Woodson just being on the field. Yeah, I think uh, the combination of Woodson and Joe Webb, I think, really kind of limited yeah. uh, Adrian Peterson quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, especially during the second half, and I'm a big Chris Collinsworth fan. I, I feel like I'm the only one in the universe. Everybody seems to hate him, but I, I like him. But in the second half, it felt like, Adrian Peterson would run for, like, seven yards, and he'd be like, look at this, Al. He's one of the best you've ever seen. It's just unbelievable. (laughs) And I'm just like, holy smokes. It felt like you were watching a Barry Sanders playoff game or, like, uh, Priest Holmes or or Larry Johnson or, or one of these great backs through the years that uh, you watch in the playoffs where the announcers are just gushing over them because there's nothing else to talk about because their team is down by three touchdowns. I and, think that's what it was for sure. Yeah. And I'm definitely in the, the great majority that feels that they, they can't stand Chris Collins' work as well. <laughs> and I'm actually pretty easy on announcers, I feel like. I don't even mind like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I know pretty much everybody else hates them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't. he bothers me a little bit. But I'm sure it's what you said. There wasn't much else to talk about, and they knew the Vikings season was coming to a close, and I think just trying to maybe recognize everything that he had done this year. Yeah. It was pretty spectacular, and there was when the Vikings had the ball, there was nothing else to talk about other than mm-hmm. most of the plays just two yards into the line of scrimmage or an incomplete pass or something like that. So yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I can understand it a little <laughs> bit, although it was a little bit annoying too. I guess maybe just to take a quick tangent since we, we brought, you brought up the spectacular season that Adrian Peterson had. I don't know if we talked about this last week, but, uh, as far as the MVP, Manning or Peterson, do you have a, uh, I guess a favorite there? Sure. I, I think I would vote for Peterson if I had a vote. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wouldn't be upset if it was either or, but I just feel like what he's done on that bad of a team, I, I think the team around him's a lot worse. And for him to carry a team as a running back to the playoffs, basically on, on his own like two legs without, Help from a whole lot else, I think, is really impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess it surprises me a little bit more than what Peyton did. 
which is amazing in its own right. But for him to take the Vikings to the playoffs, who I think I predicted to get four or five wins this year, yeah, um, I I think that pretty much spells out most valuable player because mm-hmm. um, of everything he did in over two thousand yards when he was their only player basically on offense. So I I think he's got to get it. And I tend to agree. I think that he had an absolutely phenomenal season. He's really the closest, well, I think number two all time, right, behind uh, Dickerson. Uh, how close did Jamal Lewis get? He I uh, can't remember now, but I would assume two or three all time on single season rushing yardage. Yep, number two, I believe. Okay, yeah, I didn't think Dick, uh, Jamal Lewis got quite that close. But I think he definitely was the most valuable to that team. The only problem that I think hurts him, and it's not really fair, but I think it just illustrates how unimportant that position is in the modern day NFL. Yeah, it's true. It's, it, and, and not even the modern day NFL, even the last like 30 years. I mean, if you look at the who's who of the greatest running backs of all time, you take away Emmett Smith and there's not many rings in there. Uh, there's a lot of Ladanian Tomlinsons and, uh, Curtis Martins and guys who just played forever and never got anywhere. Uh, so, I mean, that's not really a knock on him, and that maybe even uh, bolsters his case, the fact that they got 10 wins uh, with him this year. But it just is kind of a stark uh, reminder that you could have a great running back, and, and it doesn't mean much in the NFL. Uh, for instance, he had 200 yards against the Packers on December 2nd, and they lost by two scores. I mean, that's just kind of weird, but... Uh, I would agree. Uh, I don't really buy much stock into the injury. I actually read a really interesting comparison where people uh, were talking about how the injuries played a role in the Manning versus Peterson debate. And someone mentioned that returning from an ACL certainly has to be hard for an individual, but it's kind of the norm now where he definitely tore apart his knee and that it's impressive that he returned. But Jamal Charles also exploded his knee last year and then ran for 1,500 yards for one of the worst offenses in NFL history this year. So, um, again, not against him, but um, maybe I'm not that impressed with that. But I'll give it to AP, I think. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think that almost bolsters his... uh his candidacy in my mind is that he did that from a running back position. It's if you have a great quarterback, you're almost certain to make the, the playoffs. But if you're a great running back, you you really aren't. Like you said, there's Doug Martin rushed for a bunch of yards, Jamal Charles rushed mm-hmm. for a bunch of yards. Neither of them made the playoffs. Yeah. For him to completely be able to carry a team from that position, which like you said has become less and less important, I think that's what makes it so impressive is that he could do that mm-hmm. not being a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, I would give it to Adrian Peterson and. Um, Manning had a good season, but I think, too, when you look at Peyton Manning, can you really say he was even that much better than Aaron Rodgers this season? Or even Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, give him the MVP award, but we'll take the playoff win. All right, I guess I don't really have anything else to say about this game. Uh, It really just didn't feel like... uh, uh, it didn't feel much like a playoff game, and maybe we can touch on that a little bit. But Matt, can you remember a more boring wild card round in recent memory than than we saw this past weekend? No, and none of them felt like playoff games really. Even the first game, I was trying to I sat and watched the whole thing, and the whole time I was trying to get myself in the playoff mindset. Like one of these teams goes home after today. This is a huge deal. But that game was awful, and then our game was bad. Obviously, it's nice to see us win, but. Really, that whole second half, I'm pretty disinterested because mm-hmm. we know we have it won. Um, there was no intensity, no nothing. It didn't feel like a playoff game at all. And then the two games yesterday were were pretty boring as well and pretty much decided after halftime. So mm-hmm. 
it was uh yeah it was a rough weekend for that <laughs> I'm hoping I just feel like desperate for a really good football game maybe we'll see one tonight in the national championship game hopefully uh, but I, I think it'll be close I don't know about good I'm I'm like worried about it being as bad as <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but as bad as last year's I, I have to think maybe the AFC divisional round games this week will be kind of the same thing but you would think that Green Bay and San Francisco or Atlanta and Seattle one of those mm-hmm. two games has got to be pretty good because that mm-hmm. seems like pretty even matchups yeah I would agree and. That Houston-Cincinnati game might be the worst playoff game I've ever seen. And I've seen a ton of playoff games from the last 20 years recently, just because that's one of my hobbies of collecting NFL games. And I could not think of a game, even from the past, that I knew the outcome of that I thought was more boring to watch than that Houston-Cincinnati game. Uh, neither of those teams belonged in the playoffs from the way they played, and uh, they should be uh, thanking their lucky star there in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they even had an opportunity to win a playoff game. Um, let's talk about some of the other games that we saw this weekend. I know they were boring, but there were some different things we could talk about in there. Um, obviously, the Houston-Cincinnati game was pretty boring. We don't need to go a lot into that. The big story that's being shared today is the Robert Griffin III situation. He played on the, the sprained knee. He re-injured it early in the game. He continued to play, and then he may have devastatingly injured it at the end of the game in a very nasty-looking hyperextension as he was chasing after a fumble. And I guess he got an MRI today, and we're not sure of the um, the result of that yet. Um, I guess, Matt, what are your thoughts on that whole situation yesterday about RG3 staying in the game and, I guess, also Mike Shanahan allowing him to stay in the game? Yeah, well, I mean, the doctors had to have cleared him or he wouldn't have been back on the field. So I guess if you're the coach and the quarterback says he wants to go in and the, and the doctors say he's ready to go, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say no either. Um, mm-hmm. It's a tough situation for Shanahan to be in, and I know he's going to get a lot of blame. But at the same time, this guy's your future. It's kind of tough to throw him back out there when you know there's a chance at re-aggravating that injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, though, I mean, this is the player he is. you got to imagine he's going to be banged up like this pretty much the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it with Michael Vick uh, and other mobile quarterbacks that it's just not a position that stays healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, his knees are going to keep getting banged up, and you kind of wonder if, you hope this isn't something that's, you know, a really devastating injury, like you said, like an ACL or something. It sure looked like it, mm-hmm. but if that, it, even if it isn't, I mean, this is these are things that this coaching staff's going to have to deal with a lot. And I think that's why they drafted Kirk Cousins so high too, is because they knew that mm-hmm. it, it was a high risk to get Griffin. I, I think that being the case, I, I might have pulled him, but it's hard to really blame Shanahan too. Mm-hmm. When you know, like I said, when the doctors are saying he can go to, to sit him down and let mm-hmm. your backup play in a, in a game where RG three got you there, so. Yeah, and they had a really good article on Yahoo where they were kind of blasting Shanahan that he should have been the bigger man and he should have taken him out. And in a lot of ways, I do agree. But they said Griffin was adamant about coming back into the game, and he was very secretive about how he was actually feeling. He didn't want anybody to know how hurt he really was because he didn't want to come out of the game. I guess it's admirable in a way, but uh, somebody's kind of has to rein him in, and I think that's going to be the big thing for his career. Uh, The first or second drive yesterday... He had a first down play where he stayed in the pocket a long time. He scrambled out to his right and was kind of being angled out of bounds. And he dove and stretched out the ball, landed shoulder first on his throwing arm to get back to the line of scrimmage on first down in a playoff game in the first quarter. And that's something they got to tell him, dude, you, you can't be doing that. If he plays every season the way he played this year, he might not last five years, honestly. 
and they're going to need him. And, and that's kind of the thing I was thinking about today, and it was nice yesterday getting a chance to see within a very brief time span all three of those marquee rookie quarterbacks from this year's class. And the transitioning a little bit here, the, the idea that I had from this is that Robert Griffin might have the highest ceiling I think that Russell Wilson might be the best right now, but if you watch the way that Russell Wilson and RG3 played that second game, there's no doubt in my mind that Andrew Luck will likely have the best career just because he's going to last the longest. I mean, even with Seattle, Russell Wilson's a little bit more compact and he's a little bit smarter with his spots and he tends to get down, but... I mean, these guys are going to get beat up much quicker than Andrew Luck's going to get beat up, and I think both of them are probably better than than Luck is at this point. Not saying he's bad or anything, but uh, what were your thoughts on seeing all three of those guys yesterday? Yeah, I don't know. I right now, I I think I agree that I that Russell Wilson, I think, is the best right now. But the one thing that's kind of confused me all year, and it's worked for them, but the fact that the Redskins have run so much read option, mm-hmm. because that exposes him to exactly that kind of a thing where he's going to be taking a beating no matter what. And the Seahawks started that th- the second half of the year as well, so they're kind of exposing Russell Wilson there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Luck can run too, but they don't specifically design run plays for him to take it and run into the line of scrimmage or run around the outside. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that that's just RG3's mindset is he's going to dive and he, They've talked to him a lot. They, they taught him how to slit, it seemed like, halfway through the year after he took that one big shot earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's going to have to keep learning, but they're going to have to hope that his career's not over by the time he actually figures it out and can yeah. can actually stay on the field for you know a decent career. Because I think with what we've seen, he's pretty darn good, and he could maybe be a Hall of Famer someday, but mm-hmm. not if he can't stay on the field, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I know. They're going to really have to do something with him because... This was his first season, and he was beaten to a pulp before yesterday's game. And those first two drives, even not at 100%, he was phenomenal. And then he just fell apart because his knee couldn't take it anymore. And then that, I hope he didn't get hurt too bad because that injury looked gruesome uh, yesterday. But um, we'll see. I hope uh, the news is good from that, that MRI. I guess the other thing coming out of that game is... How good do you think Seattle is? I felt like Fox was making a pretty big deal about them beating the Washington Redskins. Um, I, I think Washington had a had a nice season, but I don't think they're even close to in the league with the other three teams that won divisions in the NFC. I expected Seattle to win. I believe you did too. But uh, how, do you think Seattle is the team to, to beat right now in the NFC? That's a tough one because they're obviously the hottest team. Mm-hmm. And... I think we kind of have different views on Washington. I kind of feel like they were a little better than you did, I think. I think they were really well-balanced, and obviously they're better if RG3 is healthy, but I think it was still a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an impressive win, and it was, it was nice to see them come back and win that game. But I think right now they're all four of the NFC teams are kind of lumped together. Maybe we're sort of at the back end of teams that um, should be the favorites because we've seen probably a little bit more out of the other three teams, especially as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the team to beat right now is probably San Francisco, even though they just got manhandled by Seattle a couple of weeks ago, I guess. But mm-hmm. I think over the whole course of the season, what we've seen from them, I, I think they're probably the top of the class. But Atlanta with their record, too, Seattle with a winning streak, I, I think those three teams all have to be pretty confident going and kind of leaving us out as we just lost you know, two weeks ago to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I don't, I don't think the clear-cut team to beat, especially not in the NFC right now, it, that's why I think this weekend's going to have such great games is because they're all 
pretty evenly matched and pretty even strength. They they all have obviously their different strengths and weaknesses, but mm-hmm. I feel like each team is pretty much around the same place right now in the NFC. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And it might just be having seen so much more of the Packers, but I wouldn't have too much of a problem saying they're fourth out of the four NFC teams remaining. No. Um, I think the reason they're getting the respect they have is because they've earned it with a Super Bowl win two years ago and a 15-1 and season last year, and they're still 11-5 and this year. I don't think their resume in 2012 is anywhere close to as impressive as San Francisco's or Seattle's or even Atlanta's. Um, I don't know. I think Seattle could beat Atlanta, but... I don't think Atlanta's just this team waiting to lose, honestly, like it feels a lot of people do. I think they could still be the best team. They've toned it down quite a bit the last few months, but I think they're so jacked up to prove that they're not this team that is a, you know, regular season great team that falls apart in the playoffs. I was trying to think of some kind of clever moniker for that, but apparently I don't have it today. Um, I think they're... Seattle's a tough team. That's probably a really, really tough matchup for them. But I think Atlanta, I don't know if they're the favorite, but it feels like people would be surprised if Atlanta emerges from this bunch in the NFC, and I honestly wouldn't at this point, especially with home field advantage. And they have more to prove, I think, than anybody else in this NFC field. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they came out of it, but I I really think this weekend's game is a bad matchup for them. Mm-hmm. I think with those big corners on their big receivers, it kind of negates one of their strengths. And it just seems to me like whenever Matt Ryan plays a decent defense, he has a bad game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is obviously his opportunity to turn that uh, that notion around that he's he's not good in the big game or against good defenses. But I just really feel like this might not be the best of matchups for them, that they might have been better off against us or San Francisco or, you know, Washington or something like that that – that I don't really feel like Seattle's a Super Bowl team, but I feel like this might be a really bad matchup for Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a good point. I have a side question for you, real quick. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just not uh, the bitter person that I am, but how pissed will you be if Russell Wilson wins a Super Bowl with the Seahawks after coming to Wisconsin as the prodigal son and still losing two token games <laughs> and then losing the Rose Bowl? Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet. I, I think I'll be proud for him, and I'll be happy for him for winning a Super Bowl, being from Wisconsin. But at the same time, yeah, like you said, he, he kind of choked in a couple of big games last year, and especially in the Rose Bowl at the end there, kind of yeah. a little Forgot bit. Forgot how to clock the lamps. ball. Yeah, and then obviously what happened in Seattle this earlier this year against us uh, doesn't help the situation either. So I, I guess I'll still be happy for him. I mean, it'll be nice to see a different team win it if they can somehow pull it off. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll kind of be in the back of my mind too. Yeah, and I don't really want to see – that's the thing I can't wrap my head around. Is Pete Carroll a Super Bowl winning coach? <laughs> yeah. Like that, really? Okay, we'll see. Yeah, I guess we could talk about the AFC, but I honestly don't think the AFC stands a chance in the Super Bowl this year. Obviously, they have a puncher's chance if either Eli, or excuse me, Peyton or Tom Brady makes the Super Bowl, but I actually looked into the numbers. First of all, the NFC's one, two, three, and four seeds beat the AFC's 1, 2, 3, and 4 seeds head-to-head in, in, in those matchups. The Falcons dominated Denver, San Francisco beat up on New England, and then New England came back. The Packers pulverized uh, Houston, and then the Redskins, who are now eliminated, uh, beat Baltimore with RG3 only for half the game, and then add to that, Seattle also beat New England. So the NFC field remaining has had its way with the remaining AFC teams, 
And the NFC was 39 and 23 against the AFC this season. It's the most dominating NFC season, uh, since they went to 16 games. So, um, I don't know if you have your thoughts on that. I think the AFC, maybe personally, I think that either, uh, Tom Terrific or the big brother of Eli is going to make it to the Super Bowl, but I don't really think any of those teams uh, are going to beat one of these NFC teams. I kind of disagree. I think I think the cream that you're talking about there, those top two teams, do have a pretty good chance. I, I actually feel like they're, especially Denver, is a pretty well-rounded team. Mm-hmm. I feel obviously if you know Houston or Baltimore made it, that they would probably just get destroyed by whoever they played. Mm-hmm. I think the NFC is a lot deeper, but I think that that two, group of two at the top for the AFC can hang with us um, or whoever they would play in the Super Bowl, honestly. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe a little differing views there, but I really feel like those are pretty two good teams and in my opinion, might be two of the best teams in the league still, even though they're in a weaker conference. I feel like they might even be the favorites going in against any of the NFC teams they might play against. They might be the favorites just because of the reputations of the two quarterbacks involved. Denver feels a little bit like uh, a Ricky Hatton or something, some guy who just beat up a bunch of punks in his home country before coming and fighting Pacquiao and Mayweather and then eating the canvas. Um, They haven't really played anybody decent for months, other than Baltimore, who I don't think Baltimore is very good either. No. Uh, and the Patriots, I think, they're definitely the most dangerous. I actually think New England's the best team, or maybe not the best team in that AFC field, but I think they have the most uh, ability to beat an NFC team. To win a Super Bowl. To win a Super Bowl, correct. And and But they're 1-3 against the NFC this year. They lost to Seattle. They lost to San Francisco at home. Uh, both of those Arizona, were, too. <laughs> yeah, they lost to Arizona and at Foxborough. So mm-hmm. I don't know if those mean anything maybe now, but... Um, I don't know. I just think all of these NFC teams, I think, can beat these AFC teams. I think as much as I just uh, this will go against what I just said, I think that Denver or the Patriots actually match up best against Atlanta. I think any of the other three teams could beat the AFC team pretty decisively. Okay. Well, we got four more games coming up this weekend, the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, let's make some picks on all four of these, and then we'll make our quick picks for the national championship game, which is set to start about an hour from now. Obviously, many of you, actually none of you, will probably hear this prior to the national championship game, but we'll make our picks for that anyways, and then you can uh, check and see how close we were. So let's start and do them in order that they're going to be played. The Baltimore Ravens at Denver. And I guess a, a sub-question to this, not only your prediction and your expectations of what's going to happen, Ray Lewis, you've mentioned on this podcast, is probably uh, one of your favorite NFL players of all times. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to his game yesterday and whether or not you saw his entrance? I, I did get a chance to see it eventually, so that was pretty awesome. And then at the end of the game when he did that again on the field, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it got me going a little bit. It's nice to see him on the field you know, for one last run here. But watching that game, I didn't think he looked very good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked really slow, and obviously he hadn't played since October. just wasn't very impressive. He dropped the interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the fact that he's on the field helps the rest of the defense a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I think similar to Charles Woodson with, you know, a little less actual impact from him on the field. But I think that that's huge for this team right now because I don't think that they had a chance without something like this, like an extra backstory, uh, mm-hmm. even maybe at winning against Indianapolis the other day. Yeah. So I think this is maybe just a little bit of motivation they needed. I I really think this game is going to be closer than people think, mm-hmm. but I, I still think I have to go with Denver on this one. and. I, just because I think that overall the talent's better, and I don't think this Baltimore defense is what it was, and Joe Flacco's the Ravens quarterback. <laughs> so Jaws can t- tell me all day about how he's going to be an elite quarterback soon here, but I haven't seen it. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm still going to stick with Peyton Manning if I have the choice. Yeah, and i got to agree with that. Um, 
I'm not impressed by Joe Flacco at all. When I think of the Baltimore Ravens in my head, I think of Joe Flacco overthrowing people by 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Or throwing it 10 feet over their head. So I don't think they're going to win. I am curious to see what happens with Peyton Manning. And if I'm Brett Favre, I'm a little bit ticked off about the reputation that Peyton Manning has because as epically as Brett Favre has failed at times in the playoffs... At least he was good enough to be in the position to epically fail when most of Peyton Manning's playoff career has been him just getting beaten into the ground. <laughs> and uh, he's, I think he might have a career losing record in the playoffs right now. Like yeah, I'm, 9 I'm and 10, sure I think. Yeah. And so I'll be curious to see. Hasn't played a playoff game in a couple years. It's in Denver. Uh, I don't think Baltimore is a huge uh, challenge, but that hasn't stopped him from having some pretty pedestrian games in the past when he was with the Colts. So I'm very curious to see what he uh, does in the game, but I still think it'll be enough to beat uh, a Baltimore team that probably doesn't have enough on offense to really make a run. Let's move on to the... We'll skip the Packer game and do that last. Let's move on to the noon game, the other AFC game, which will be Houston at... The New England Patriots, and I don't know if you read the Boston Globe, but they, I think it was, I forgot his name, that guy they always have on ESPN documentaries with the big old curly red hair, that's always that Boston reporter. uh, He's uh, got an Irish name. It's Shaughnessy, isn't it? Yeah, Matt, something Shaughnessy. Dan? Is it Dan? Dan Shaughnessy, there you go. Well, he wrote an article about how the Patriots are lucky because they really wanted this game and that they're already in the AFC Championship game, uh, basically just destroying the Texans. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but I thought it was kind of a funny article, and a lot of the Texans are getting all uh, heated up about that. Do you think the New England Patriots will repeat their Monday Night Football performance and put the Texans out of their misery? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty close to that. I, one thing that Houston showed me last week in the playoff game was that their defense kind of seemed like it got back its mojo a little bit. They actually kind of seemed like the Houston defense from earlier in the year when they were playing so well. Mm-hmm. But then again, it was against Cincinnati. But, you know, they, they can be explosive at times, and they mm-hmm. completely shut them down. Yeah. And Dalton looked awful. So I think that was one good sign for Houston. But And I before that, if it was gonna, if you would have told me it was going to be Houston-New England, I probably would have said the spread, put the spread at like 40 points or something <laughs> like that. But I think with the way that Schaub's playing, and, and Arian Foster has had a good year, but he really has never been that explosive mm-hmm. or, or done anything huge, hasn't had any huge games. I just feel like that offense has no chance of keeping up with New England's at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think we might kind of have a little bit of, a little bit of a shootout, but I think I heard the spreads at 9.5, and, and I'd probably take New England with the points at this at this point. I, th- I think that they'll win pretty convincingly. I agree completely, and I don't think they'll need that many points to beat Houston convincingly. Uh, I don't think they'll probably beat them 42-14. to 14. That's hard to do twice, but... Uh, that Houston offense just can't seem to score the last month. Mm-hmm. It just seems like such a chore. Matt Schaub throws the ball like it weighs 100 pounds. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. And, and Arian Foster can't seem to run against anybody who is not from Jacksonville. Right. So I I don't think they have a chance to beat New England, especially in the uh, in Foxborough. So I guess that will set up one of the things on my wish list. Uh, maybe be careful what you wish for, but uh, I don't have a problem with it. The... Uh, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning one last time in the AFC Championship game, so I'm sure ESPN will be very subtle about their appreciation of that match. Yeah, I'm glad there's only one week in between the divisional <laughs> round games and the AFC Championship game. Yeah. All right, and let's go to the other NFC game, the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the top-seeded Atlanta Falcons down in the Georgia Dome. That's your end of the divisional weekend on Sunday evening. 
Uh, what do you got in that game? Again, this is kind of what we talked about earlier with with the matchup that I feel like felt like Seattle really has an advantage with the DBs on on Julio Jones and Roddy White. So I guess I kind of got to stick with that and make them my pick here. Um, it's tough too because I kind of want to pick Atlanta because I feel like this could be the year that they finally break out, mm-hmm. and I feel like they're a little more well balanced than they've been in the past. But I, I think I'm going to go Seattle somewhere around 24-20. I think the score will stay a little bit lower, but I just feel like that Atlanta passing game won't be able to do a, a lot against Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that run game's that good anyways. I, I, Michael Turner's been pretty much slowed down this year, and Jacquez Rogers has played pretty well, but still not a really explosive runner. So mm-hmm. I feel like they don't have enough to top that defense, and, and that Russell Wilson and the offense will do just enough to win the game. And that could very well happen. I guess... I think I'm still going to pick Atlanta. I know not many people seem to th- take this team too seriously, and I guess they've earned that reputation with the way they've played their last three postseason appearances. But <sighs> I agree it's a bad matchup. I don't know how they'll do it, but it just feels like this team is too good it does. to just completely lay an egg in the playoffs four straight times. And Sometimes maybe I I put too much stock, and I've done the same thing with the Packers season. I put too much stock in the the attrition of the whole thing, and not and not in the single games. I just think that the law of averages says Atlanta's got to win one of these. They're too good. I I don't take them seriously either. If they win the Super Bowl, I think they they will have earned it, being a 13 and three team. But I won't put them in the top half of best Super Bowl champions. But they certainly are good enough. To win a playoff game one of these years, uh, especially against a rookie quarterback with a coach who's kind of a you know nutcase sometimes, against a team that doesn't have a lot of winning tradition uh, with the players involved right now, I just think that this team has more to prove than anybody else in the playoffs that's remaining here. I I just think that this is going to be the week it happens, and uh, I, I guess. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it just seems law of averages says they got to win one of these. And so I'm saying, why not this week at home with the top seed? That's what the Buffalo Bills thought, too. Well, at least they got to four, though. They didn't get blown out in a four-straight playoff games. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying, they made the playoffs four times, and everybody expects them to win every time, and they never do. So, Well, Atlanta matches up against Seattle much better than Buffalo does against <laughs> Washington or the Cowboys. Yep. All right, and then the main event is the Green Bay Packers traveling out to San Francisco to play the 49ers. If you're a fan of the game, you will certainly recognize this matchup as it happened four straight years in the mid-90s. The Packers coming out on top three of four times, and the fourth time, if you watch the game, that Jerry Rice did fumble, so the Owens, Owens, Owens catch should never have happened. So it should have been four for four, but as it is, the Packers dominated out there in the 90s. Can they do it again this year in 2012, Matt? I think they can, and I feel a lot more confident saying that with Colin Kaepernick playing quarterback for the 49ers, uh, just because I feel like that's a, a, a guy that they can shut down and really force to make some bad decisions. He's so inexperienced. Um, I think if Alex Smith was the quarterback, I might maybe even have picked San Francisco in this game, but I feel like with him back there and a 49ers defense, I think Justin Smith has been a little bit banged up, and that secondary's gotten exposed a little bit. I mean, we saw Seattle put up a ton of points on them. I feel like I feel like it's a, maybe a bad matchup for Green Bay again with the pass rush coming at Rodgers, but I think that it's there's certain parts of that defense we can exploit. Um, hopefully, take Patrick Willis out of the game because we're probably not going to be able to run too much anyways. I it's going to be a tough one. I, I think it's going to be really close, but I, I think the Packers can do it. 
Um, probably low-scoring game. I'm going to say somewhere around 20 to 17 range. A really low-scoring mm-hmm. game, but I think that our offense can maybe outdo their offense if we have the ball at the end of the game or something like that. Where I don't know if I feel confident of Kaepernick taking the ball down and doing a game-winning drive to try to beat us. Yeah, that's a good point. This is hard for me, and I have said all year that I don't think that this team is capable of going to the playoffs and beating a number of these good teams in a row. The the Packers' reputation right now amongst the fans and amongst the media is almost solely based on, not that they're a bad team, but as far as their Super Bowl potential is solely based on the fact that they've done it before, in my opinion. Uh, 2012 would not give you many indications that this particular team is going to win a Super Bowl. With that being said... I am very worried about this game. It is the worst matchup for the Packers amongst anybody that made the playoffs in either conference. You have to go to San Francisco. And as much as I dog Aaron Rodgers, I am going to, for this game only, I think I'm going to maybe buy into the hype a little bit. Not that he doesn't hasn't earned it, but this year he hasn't been able to just turn it on like he has in years past. Not all his fault, but that's kind of how it's been. This is the game. He's got that massive chip on his shoulder. You could call it a canyon. This is the game that he has to win if he ever wants to stick it to the San Francisco 49ers for not picking him. This has got to be the game to do it. And I think he knows that. And I think his teammates know that. So I'm going to say that with Colin Kaepernick in there and with Aaron Rodgers, I think that Aaron Rodgers is, for this week only, going to be able to turn it on like he did in Atlanta in 2010 or like he did a bunch of times last year. I think he's going to have a huge game. I think it's still going to be tough. It's going to be close. But I think the Packers are going to win this game. I think I'll pick something like a, I'll say like a 34 to 24. Okay. Yeah, I hope you're right. I, you're right. If there's one game he's going to do it and finally get that chip off his shoulder that it seems like he can't seem to shake, and it's brought up all the time whether he brings it up or if it's an announcer or something, but mm-hmm. this is the game to do it and kind of erase all that. If if you go in there and you lose to a team with their backup as the guy who got drafted ahead of you, yeah, um, uh, I think that's going to eat at him a little bit, and we might see the frustration start to come out early in the game if things aren't going well. So I hope you're right, and I hope we have a Atlanta-style 2010 game because I, I think this team really needs it. I just doomed them, though. There, There's no way they're going to win now. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to hear you say that, that you thought they were going to win. Yeah, well, now I'm scared of Atlanta. I changed my mind the last few weeks, but it's okay. You're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess I don't have anything else as far as the NFL is concerned. Um, real quick, Matt, the national championship game, one of the storied matchups we've ever seen in this match or in this game, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, number one, against the number two Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in tonight's game? First, will it be dreadfully boring? And uh, second, who do you think is going to win? Well, yes, I think it will be dreadfully boring. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with the upset, though, here and say Notre Dame. Uh, just because I feel like Alabama, I think, is probably the better team. Mm-hmm. But I think this is one of the worst of the SEC teams we've seen come out of here mm-hmm. and get to the national championship game in recent memory. And I think Notre Dame has just enough to do it. I uh, I guess I don't really trust the Alabama defense as much as I did last year, and I don't think their offense is, is much worse than it was last year, but I, I feel like Notre Dame can maybe put up a couple extra points.
points. It's probably going to be really low scoring and maybe a little hard to watch, but I'm going to say Notre Dame like 20 to 10 or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I also agree that I think it's going to be a pretty boring football game. I don't think Notre Dame's going to win. I really want them to. Yeah, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, and Alabama, especially the last two, I mean, they're going to be called a dynasty when if there wasn't a concerted effort by some members of the media and the coaches to get them in a game they might not have been worthy of last year, and then Ohio State being on sanctions this year, they wouldn't have played in either of the last two BCS championship games, and they're going to be a dynasty, but that's not their fault. I just saw Notre Dame, where Everett Golson running for his life against teams like Pittsburgh. What is Alabama going to do to him? So I just don't think Notre Dame's going to have enough firepower. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't score tonight. Uh, I think they'll, they're a little better than that. They'll probably force a couple of turnovers, but I think Alabama's going to win. Um, I was talking with my boss earlier about this. I said that I thought that Alabama would win. 21 to 9 and that Notre Dame would get a field goal on a drive and then maybe a couple field goals off of turnovers. Yikes. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. That game sounds awful. I, I don't want to watch that. All right, so that about wraps it up for Green and Gold Forever. Uh, if you guys want to make any comments ever on any of the things we've talked about, pitch a segment, add some what-if topics, which we'll get back to eventually, and also some crossfire topics, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, Green and Gold Forever podcast on Facebook, or you can go to our Podbean page, www.greengold, the number four, the word ever, all together, uh, .podbean.com, and you can leave a comment under the podcast you're likely listening to right now. Also, in the right-hand bar on the Podbean page, there's an icon that says iTunes Subscribe. And if you click on that, our podcast will automatically be uploaded to your iTunes whenever we post a new one. I actually just installed that on my own computer because I'm an egomaniac and I love to listen to our podcasts all day long. And uh, they, the one last week, I forgot I had even done it, the one last week is right there in my podcast list. So it's a very convenient feature, but I think you should probably check the Podbean page two or three times a day anyways, just because it's a great place to be. But just to help you out, you can go to that. It's on the right-hand side of our Podbean page. It says iTunes Subscribe. You can click on that, and you'll be all set, ready to go. All right, so Matt and I are picking a win this weekend. Hopefully we have that to talk about next week. If not, we'll be back to talk about the 2012 season. And uh, hopefully, if it's a loss, it's a... Actually, if it's a loss, I hope they get blown away. I'm tired to have these uh, these really hard-fought losses that are... We talked about that on the, this past weekend, that most of the last what, 15 years has been the Packers losing in the playoffs and providing all-time great playoff highlights for other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, if they're going to lose on Saturday, just get blown away so nobody ever remembers this one. I don't know right. if you agree. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's hope they either blow out the Niners or get blown away themselves. Uh, <laughs> until next week, I hope everybody enjoys the playoffs, enjoy the national championship game, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Take care, everyone.